0: Last week on the 70s weekly countdown with Mark and Pete.
1: So the only time I ever had ants in my pants, and it might have been in my sleeping bag, I think in Texas. We set our tent up and this and that and the other thing and we we didn't know anything about Texas fire ants. Mm-hmm. And about about right after the sun started to come up, you know, probably five in the morning, it's like, ouch, ouch, ouch! What the hell's going on here? <laughs> and and we're being attacked by by red fire ants (laughs) all right after having ants in my pants now i have
2: take
0: a nap yeah. I was just thinking, you remember that game, Ants in, ants in the Pants from the 70s? <laughs> yeah, I think It was like a plastic pair of pants with like red suspenders and you'd flip these little ants you in. you flip
1: the ants into it. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Whoever got the most ants in the
1: pants won, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, my uh, sister's husband just completed his hike of Kilimanjaro. Yeah, but week. that's not in the Himalayas. No, but he didn't fall off and go to Shankarilla. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I wonder if there's a vaccine for the rocket pneumonia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what it's called? It's called James Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Which vaccine did you get? I got the James <laughs> Taylor version. <laughs> oh, no. I, I got the Carly Simon version. <laughs> and um, he's still with us. He's 80 years old. It, it didn't kill him, that rockin' pneumonia. So, when you saw the title of this, did you think it was that other song? Round Um, That's played around the holidays.
1: Oh, dreidel, dreidel,
0: dreidel! I made you out of clay. Yeah. The
1: the one I learned in kindergarten in 1970.
0: Yeah, Yeah, Mike, did he cover that song?
1: No, I want ants in my pants. I don't want to do this. (laughs) What's the last movie you saw in the theater? (laughs) 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 Gus. Chris and I took a selfie and he sent it to his uh, to his daughter. And uh, speaking of Colonel Tom Parker, she came back and she said, I'm I, I'm looking like Colonel Sanders.
0: <laughs> and yeah, the album was credited to the Blue Ridge Rangers with no mention of Fogarty on the coverty. On the cover. The coverty. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: remember Donovan? Donovan was a guy with a brocade coat that used to Smoke a banana. Mm. Smoking a banana. You know, yeah. <laughs> all the stuff we missed out on because we're so young. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we missed
0: that much.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so uh, I heard this at least twice, maybe three times last night at the uh, golf
2: <laughs> <play>.
1: <laughs> This is in the same vein as number 33. <laughs> The same vein. <laughs> yeah. All right, this song has all sorts of mythology about it. Everyone knows this song, and you know who's it about? Is it Warren Beatty? Is it Spiro Agnew? Is it Red Fox?
0: Ugh. Yeah, you know who it's definitely not about: James Taylor, no, Rory Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to insert other joneses into the song like too tall jones or (laughs) barnaby jones or former nba player caldwell jones (laughs) we got a thing going on you know Welcome to the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, a show where two knuckleheads review a randomly chosen American Top 40 episode from the 1970s, the most interesting decade in pop music. My name is Mark Roback, and with me is my friend and co-knucklehead, Peter Gardo. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Hey, Mark. Well, it's, uh, I guess it's still early February, right?
1: Yeah. It's kind of quiet. The Super Bowl will finally happen. I think the weekend this comes out, and, uh... And it's kind of quiet. I guess we're going to hang out this weekend and we can talk about that next time around.
2: Yeah. And, yeah. Uh,
1: but one thing that you did uh, hook me up with is uh, this past weekend, you said, hey, Capricorn One is going to be on this channel. Do you get it on your, <laughs>
0: That's right, forgot on about your
1: TV machine? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And, and it says, geez, goes from eight to 11 o'clock. That's three hours. It's probably a 90 minute movie. <laughs> and we've talked about it. It's something I wanted to see when it came out in 1977, but I spent the time and I suffered through the commercials and I watched <laughs> Capricorn one and, and it, I, you know, I, I'd say it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, I, I kept on thinking that, uh, Hal Holbrook was going to come out and do his, his Mark Twain. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't think I've ever seen a movie with Charles Brolin. Is that, is that Babs,
0: uh, husband now? Uh, uh James Brolin. Yeah yeah that's i I think they're still married you said charles charles nelson riley no charles bronson i think you were thinking of yeah yeah. and i thought the brenda vicaro character
1: wasn't very well done even though she won a saturn award for for it (laughs) and and i had no idea what the karen black character was doing in the
0: movie yeah who do you think stole the movie uh I think. Oh, I think obvious. Telly Savalas did. Yeah, I think yeah. Telly Savalas. I, I mean, that that always reinforced to me that Telly Savalas is pretty much always pissed off, no matter what role he's in. He's angry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he brought he some
1: life to it because he did. El- yeah. Elliot Gould was kind of milk toast the whole time. I did like seeing um, David Doyle from Charlie's Angels on there a little bit. Yeah. And I, and and the guy who's in like Law and Order. I've never watched Law and Order but you always um, see his
0: face. Yeah, the uh the 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 older guy that he the other, he no, the other Lincoln, astronaut. But I mean the older guy in Law Law and Order. Yeah, um he played Lincoln to uh Sam Waterston I think. Sam Waterston, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he was milk toast. Him and uh, OJ didn't have a lot of lines, really. You know, it was it was more the James Brolin character, you know, yeah. without giving away the movie. But yeah, he, he had the, the major role. It, it's funny because it feeds into that you know fake moon landing stuff, and yeah. uh, I think it's a great a great idea. And I didn't like the end when him and the
1: Barbara hands. Strashans- Husband and, and Elliot was, Gould. Who was Elliot Gould married to? Wasn't he married to uh Barbara Streisand?
0: <laughs> um no. I, I forget um who he was married to.
1: Yeah, but when they slowed it down, they, it was like yeah, six million dollar man run to the
0: at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah, that that was a little hokey because yeah. they're at the Yeah. Don't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's just call it the end of the movie. The end of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Once again, spoiler, I'll have to bleep that out.
1: And the other thing I, so, so thank you. I, I'm, I'm glad I finally saw it after really wanted to see it when I, when I saw the trailers back in 1977. Yeah. But we never went to the movies as you know, but one of the things I did do in 1977 is I read the comics uh-huh. and I'm reading the comics on Saturday, Saturday's paper. And I'm saying, what's going on here now? I don't have a newspaper down here. It's, it's upstairs. And it says, "It says, what is this? What used to be there? This is new, funky Winker Bean is no more. It's been retired.
0: He, it retired down the whole thing, the whole or just thing? from the local no, newspaper? No, no oh, wow. shut down. Well, after fifty years. Yeah, did I mean? Did you used to still read it in recent years? Because no, I stopped, I stopped, I stopped to- reading it probably thirty years ago. Yeah, when it turned dark, when it was, like, no longer about the high school kids, basically.
1: (laughs) So so I read, you know, of course, you go to the Wikipedia. That's where you find everything, okay, the truth. And and it said that uh, they had, like, two time shifts or three time, you know, the original, and then they switched time. And so Funky Winker Bean... You know, when we were kids was was, you know, huh, not our age, our age back in the seventies <laughs> or in yeah. the early eighties. You know, he was in high school. And then yeah. all of a sudden he's a, like a like you know, an adult, and then he's an old dude. But Hagar was... the Horrible, I noticed mm-hmm. it's its 50th anniversary, and they're this week uh replaying um early episodes. I looked at it in the Sunday paper, it says, Who's wrong? Hagar the Horrible? It turns yeah. out it's 50 years old. Yeah. And I like Hagar the Horrible.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. So I I still read those four serial uh, comics, but you know I read Mary Worth, which we talked about. I read uh, Judge Parker, and Partner Three G. partner Three G is no more uh, oh. for a long for a long time. Uh, Mark Trail yeah. and Gil Thorpe, and mm-hmm. Gil Thorpe, you know, started kind of that was uh, kind of based on a local thing because the original writer was from our state. But it's gone through multiple, you know, artists and writers. And the last one that took over, like, I don't know, maybe for the past four or five months, it's kind of gone off the rails. And I wonder if it's on its way out. It's um, it's just all weird and it jumps around and, you know, it, the fans of that strip, there were certain staples to the strip. And it seems like they're, you know, kind of blowing it up. So
1: yeah. There was a strip in the early '80s that went off the rails with this big giant radish that was terrorizing the town. been it, it, <laughs> oh, yeah. around for forty years, and 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 then it just like ended. Yeah. What, what was the big giant radish? I, I,
0: it sounds familiar, but I I, I can't think of it. If you wanna if you wanna look it up, I'll uh, I can yeah, fill look, in.
1: Yeah. Let's uh, keep going.
0: Yeah, so I I just um didn't have too much to talk about in terms of what's going on with me, but I figured I'd touch on the uh, 65th Grammy Awards that just happened, 2023 edition, and uh, just a few things that how it relates to our podcast here. So the ceremony opened up with the song, I Just Want to Celebrate by Rare Earth. And that was done by an ensemble of uh, gospel artists. That was pretty decent. I confess I didn't watch the show. I went out and watched some highlights uh, after. And then a little later on, they did a tribute to Barry Gordy and Smokey Robinson. And it featured uh, Stevie Wonder, uh, Smokey Robinson, and Chris Stapleton, and someone named uh, Juan Moore. And they did the songs, The Way You Do the Things You Do, The Tears of a Clown, and Higher Ground. That was interesting. And then... The winner for the best contemporary blues album was Edgar Winner and his album was brother Johnny. And uh, it's kind of funny. Well, he had his shirt on, which was good. And (laughs) and, um, he got up to the microphone and, and I thought this was funny. I don't know if people might have taken it the wrong way, but he said, uh, it's, it's an honor to represent skin tone diversity. (laughs) Boy, (laughs) because his his brother were, were albino. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, there were some special merit awards they gave out. So the music cares person of the year, and that went to Barry Gordy and Smokey Robinson. And then they gave out some lifetime achievement awards. Uh, and those went to the Supremes, Nirvana, Ma Rainey, Niall Rogers, who, uh, we will talk about a little bit later in this countdown Ann and Nancy Wilson Hart, uh, Bobby McFerrin, Slick Rick, and Dr. Dre got a global impact award. So right. that was the uh, basically the highlights in terms of that relate to our seventies music podcast. I would say.
1: I haven't watched the Grammys since Metallica beat uh, was beaten by. Um, yes. Yes. Oh, Jethro Tull. Jethro Tull in like 1990. Yeah. So it's I, I've I haven't paid attention to
0: the to the Grammys for 32 years or so. Yeah, I, I I haven't either. It's not something I used to watch regularly, anyway. To be honest.
1: Well one one thing about the Grammys, unlike you know the the Oscars or the uh, the TV one, what's that the the tellys? What's it? <laughs> it's called the, the what's the television? The Emmys. The Emmys. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, you know, the artists can actually perform and they can hmm. get up there and they can do a song, which yeah. if they're not lip syncing, you know, I think that probably makes it probably if you like contemporary music, you would maybe see them do stuff because yeah, you know, back in the day you would have folks get up there that, you know, I remember and they would actually they had a band behind them and they would sing. So, yeah, so that, I think that makes it the best of all the, of all the award
0: shows. And um, I, I don't know if you saw on the Twitter, but somebody kind of tagged us about the uh, nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. And, oh, really? And, and they, yeah, and they tagged us because the Spinners are are nominated. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And so the, the person that was tagged me was kind of, I guess, sort of looking for my opinion. And I was like, you know, the, let's face it, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, we've talked about it before. It, it went off the rails years ago with you know mm-hmm. who, who was getting in and etc and and we talked about spinners it, aren't rock and roll but but it, they're they important. are but yeah. they're important and they're talented so in some respects it's like i i'm happy to see good artists get nominated but you know it, well dally it,
1: Parton, another one this year was willie nelson you
0: know? yeah willie nelson so yeah. um know, yeah, yeah. people are talking about that yeah important guy in music for sure Yeah, songwriter he's he's friends with with
1: john cougar menstrual cramp and and uh (laughs) and neil young you know so
0: yeah yeah
1: what's that other guy what's that band that they always all the The, kids dave matthews band
0: oh yeah 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 you you always
1: hear about alcohol poisoning in the in the you know when dave matthews goes to the local theater around here yeah (laughs) (laughs) that and all the hillbilly bands that show up yeah (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not that it doesn't happen. To everything else. So, all right, cool. Little Abner. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. They they went off the rails, and and little <laughs> Abner actually it was in the seventies. It it went to November nineteen seventy seven. So it ran for forty three years, and near the end of it, because I was reading it in the in the paper, and it was just it's just like, wow, what happened? So.
0: All righty. So yeah, Um Pete and I have been friends for a long time, 30 plus years. He was reading L- Little Abner probably when we <laughs> met each other in college. No, it was already it was <laughs> already gone for seven or eight years. All right. But I was reading Gilthorpe because I've been oh, reading yeah. Gilthorpe since probably, I think it was like right around freshman year of high school. I started, so probably yeah, around this time. So, in uh, each of these episodes, we'll review all forty songs in the chosen weeks countdown and provide some factual information on each song, as well as our personal opinions, stories, and comments related to it. At the end of the episode, we'll provide our individual choices for the best and worst song—a song that we think will torture the poor other guy that we've labeled the agonizer—and we'll give our individual A plus through F grade for the entire countdown. Since nobody has the exact same tastes in music, our opinions on individual songs may be controversial. But we otherwise intend to keep the conversation light, humorous, and hopefully entertaining. Remember, this is just a discussion, not a competition, so please no wagering.
1: All right, Mark. So today's episode number forty-one of the Seventies Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, and it's from the weekend,ing February tenth, nineteen seventy-nine, and the title of this is. Do you think I'm Le Freak?
0: So, what uh, were you doing uh, in early February of 1979? Well, I went to the date book, as you can see, the date book
1: on Channel 18, as I show it to everybody. Mm-hmm. I was in the eighth grade. You know, it's interesting is this is the same exact calendar as our last episode we did last week. I forget what year that was. 1973. 73, I believe. Yeah. 73. So the calendars matched up. So it's kind of empty. Uh, The weekend is empty. And, but on the seventh, it says snow and things were crossed off. So ME 346 for BTL. I don't know what BTL is, but ME 346 is probably a junior or senior year class, you know, thermodynamics or something like that. And then community band was crossed off. So, so there was snow. So I, I, there's this uh, website I found called, uh, historical weather all right and you can go to any airport and there's snow depth okay on february 9th and it only says that it's four inches but i don't see any snow before that you know there's a little bit of snow it says that uh we got like a quarter inch of precipitation and it's kind of neat and there's a graph here so there is some snow it says snow all right and then the following Monday, of course, was uh, Lincoln's birthday uh, again, and we probably uh, had that week off. But on the fifteenth, which is five days later on the on the uh, Thursday, it says skiing. I never went skiing with my dad. Okay, so I don't know what that was. Sister number one and number two were in college at the time, so we didn't go skiing with them. And I didn't ask sister number three about it. Maybe that yeah. got canceled. I don't. I don't. I don't recall. Yeah. Anything? Anything going on with you?
0: Not too much. I, I'll just, I think I showed this the last time we, uh, when we were in 1978 in the fall, or whatever episode that was. But um, yeah, my high school transcript. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I took uh, physical education, boys, nine through 10, Spanish, World History, so I had Mr. Mooney for world history. I think I mentioned that uh, <laughs>
1: Mr. Mooney from the Lucy Show. Yeah,
0: but I, I also that was the class where uh, you know he he talked about you know when the armies would pillage cities, they they'd get booty, and we all <laughs> got in absolute hysterics about that. <laughs> and this is the high
1: school with no windows, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, and yeah, then I good. had uh, algebra, and I. My algebra teacher, he just passed away. I, I saw his obituary like a few weeks ago. I he he kind of cracked me up because he used to he I thought he was a good teacher, but he used to say, Oh, you're on this, you're on this earth to live, suffer, and die. <laughs> Which is like a great thing to say to yeah.
1: 14-year-old kids. Yeah. yeah.
0: But also he used to like if you you know, did a math problem and you did it differently than like maybe the book showed you how to do it. He was like, "Oh, you did it like uh, Frankie Sinatra. There, you did it my way."
2: <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> That's great. That was that stuff. was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so
0: anything? Uh... We unfortunately have to bring back the corrections section again, and because uh, okay. we had a few errors, one of them you pointed out to me.
2: I was <laughs> I was not exactly right. You mean you were wrong? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Malfa. I was what you just said I was just then, yeah.
0: So the, the first one is uh, you pointed out that the artist Lobo is actually 79 years old, not 72. Mm-hmm. So I got mixed up because I had like his hit from 72 in the notes and this uh, and it was like his second hit or whatever i just saw two so yeah. i messed right. that up
1: yeah and and i was r- 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 wrong <laughs> thinking dolly parton met up with her buddies from a uh, nine to five to do 80 for brady and you said it who's really in the movie
0: it, it, it is jane fonda And it is Sally Field, and it is Rita Moreno, Mm -hmm. and um, And Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin. So that's where it gets confusing, right? Because you you would think Dolly Parton would be there if you look at the cast of 9 to Mm 5. And so that's why I think we both were like, oh, yeah, Dolly Parton's in it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, she should be in it because she's great. Yeah, yeah.
0: So anything in the uh, in
1: the morning paper? Because the afternoon paper was gone by now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, just a couple things of note of some perhaps not must-see TV. On uh, February 4th, uh, a show called Coed Fever debuts. It's a comedy, and it was canceled after one episode. It was wow. a series about college kids trying to capitalize on the success of uh the movie animal house so that didn't work out and then a few days later on february 7th you had a show called super train
1: yeah which is said to be one of the worst shows ever made we yeah. already talked about my mother the car which i think is kind of funny yeah but but this is this is really bad right
0: yeah, I mean, I think their concept was kind of like, a, you know, a Love Pope Fantasy Island where you'd have this all-star cast each week and all this stuff would go on on this train that was going across the country at high speed. Yeah. So, so who
1: who were the guest stars on the uh, on the first episode?
0: Yeah, so on the first episode, you had Steve Lawrence. Oh, great. Yeah, you had Vicky Lawrence. No No, no relation. relation. Yep. George Hamilton. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yep. Stella Stevens. Yes. Great. And uh, Fred Williamson. So, Who's that? Yeah. Um, you, you'd recognize him. Dark haired guy. Uh, did, you, did you watch Everybody Loves Raymond? In bits and pieces now. Yeah. He played the parent of uh, the brother's Ray girlfriend. The oh. brother's girlfriend. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't watch that far okay yeah and he, and he was in some other stuff i think he was in member uh mary hartman mary hartman i think he might have been in that yeah. back in the day yeah but so, anyway uh that the comedian Alan king commented on on this show being a ratings failure and he said it's a bird it's a bomb it's super trained <laughs> Wasn't
1: Alan King always on Johnny Carson?
0: Yeah, uh, Tonight's yeah. Show. Yeah, yeah. He was a you know comedian that had been more popular probably in the sixties. I would say, and he yeah you know, I- endured. Moving a little bit ahead on February fifteenth, the twenty-first Grammy Awards were broadcast, and the Record of the Year and Song of the Year was Billy Joel's "Just the Way You Are," and R B Q does a better version. Best New Artist was "A Taste of Honey." Right, good best song, yep. best pop vocal oh. perform well, Oogie, oh. Oogie Oogie Yes, <laughs> yeah. best pop vocal performance uh, by a female was Ian Murray for "You Needed Me," and for the males it was uh, Barry Manilow for Copacabana. Great song. And then the best pop vocal performance by a duo or group was the Bee Gees for the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack.
1: Well deserved.
0: Yeah. certainly how big that was yep yeah. um and then just finally on February 18th at Old Forge New York the state record cold temperature was set at minus 52 degrees Fahrenheit yeah so yeah so that's uh that's
1: in the middle of the Adirondacks and uh, our
0: your former colleague
1: uh Ken uh has a place up there and he always goes snowmobiling
0: yeah with sun. Yeah, and Steve Steve J goes, Jay up, there goes up there too with them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, anything right. in tech? Um, yeah, nothing I note that, that I could find. Um, okay. At least at this particular. The super train
1: got derailed after a bunch of uh, <laughs> episodes.
0: Yeah, we still don't have good fast fast trains. <laughs> yes. So. So anything? Um, uh, anything in the economy? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That's, uh,
0: the usual stuff. So uh, unemployment rate was six point one percent. Inflation rate was thirteen point three percent. The same buying power of today's dollar was about a quarter back then—twenty-five cents—and the cost of a gallon of regular gas was eighty-six cents. That would be three forty-seven today. So that's pretty much around a little higher than, you, than yeah, yeah, a little higher yeah. than right now. Yeah, yeah, but pretty close. So uh, does that match any uh, real-time data you have?
2: Is that gap-
1: The real-time data that I have, uh, both cars were filled up on the 11th of of the month, which was Sunday, and the VW Dasher was filled up for 66.9 cents a gallon, or 19.82 miles per gallon. So that Dasher, after my father wrecked the, uh, or got in the wreck, I don't know if I'd have to ask sister number two what happened again. She was being picked up from her part-time job at the library when the car got hit, or my father, I think my father got hit. But this car gets about five miles a gallon less than the uh, Squareback. And the 72 VW bus, same day, 67.9 cents a gallon, a penny more for 15.8 miles per gallon. And I don't know if it went to the same place because it was off by a penny. So yeah. but a little lower, but yours is an average of the whole year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And things were quite a bit in flux in terms of the Middle East back in 79 <laughs> for sure. So yeah. All righty. so um, looking at a few TV highlights, besides the stuff we talked about in the news, on Friday, February 9th, ABC at 9 o'clock, you had a special, The Heroes of Rock and Roll, and they showed a bunch of uh, film clips of some of the rock world's biggest stars, including Elvis, The Beatles, Chubby Checker, and The Rolling Stones. And it featured archival performances of sixty-two artists, and it happened to be hosted by our old friend Jeff Bridges. Kind of interesting. The man just keeps showing up. He's like, "Yeah, no <laughs> kidding." <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> on Saturday, February tenth, ABC at ten, you had Fantasy Island. The plane.
1: And, the plane.
0: Yeah, they had two two different stories on it as, as yep. they usually did. Was it always two, or did they do three? They might have done three if it was a like a two-hour long one. Yeah, yeah. But, but typically um, it was only two. Yeah. but one then, of the... that
1: little float plane can only hold so many folks.
0: Yeah, that's right. Smiles, yeah. everybody, smiles! Yeah. <laughs> one of the stories was titled The Stripper, and it starred uh, Maureen McCormick as Jenny Collins, and uh, it, uh, she was a beautiful heiress wanting uh, to marry and to get away from her dominating father but she came a stripper in her fantasy i guess i don't know how that
1: worked hopefully her nose had healed
0: by then you know yes six years later and then the other story (laughs) yeah the other story was uh uh the boxer which i know is one of your favorite uh tv (laughs) episode tropes yeah (laughs) The dying boxer dreams of winning uh, an Olympic gold medal. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, but yeah, I posted, I don't know if you saw that on the Twitter, but I posted a gif of Maureen McCormick. She kept getting hit in the nose by the football. As you were stripping, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, on Sunday, February 11th, uh, ABC at 7, the Osmond Family Hour. And they had Andy Gibb, Ruth Buzzy, and Paul Lind on. Oh. Uh-huh.
1: It's so, th- been great,
0: yeah, but the Osmond family hour. So, I, I guess that was like a different show than you know, you had Donnie and Marie at one point And uh, I don't know, I, I don't remember the the Osmond family hour, but well, so.
1: everyone was watching 60 minutes at, <laughs> at seven o'clock. And because that, that time <laughs> slot used to be the wonderful world of Disney,
0: right? Right, right, yeah, when well. we were younger kids mm-hmm. yeah, i remember that yeah mm-hmm. and then yeah rounding out the uh, tv stuff on tuesday february 13th abc at eight happy days and the episode was marion fairy godmother and it was season six episode 21 and Susie quattro was on as leather tuscadero that's right yeah. Something you learned by doing this podcast. Yeah, yeah. You you had mentioned that I didn't watch Happy Days all that much. And you mentioned, you know, leather Tuscadero. And I'm like, oh, I remember Pinky Tuscadero, but leather doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were you were correct there. So so when uh when you went to the Rialto or the Paris Theater, what would you see? I didn't see this one, but on February 2nd in the US. ABBA the movie was released, and it was a mockumentary comedy drama film about the Swedish pop group ABBA's Australian tour. It had been released in Europe, uh, in Australia back in uh, December of 1977, So, but it came to the U.S. And then on February 9th, so I think I actually did see this movie in the Paris cinema, as I remember. Oh, wow. Either Paris or Cinema City. Yeah, The Warriors, starring Michael Beck, Deborah Van Valkenburg, and David Patrick Kelly. And um, this was a movie about New York gangs, and it actually um, sparked some gang violence at many theaters. Yeah, it put a stop to the film's marketing campaign.
1: Is is this the one where someone says, Warriors! Yes. Warriors!
0: Okay.
2: I, I
1: did see this in the early 80s on VHS at at a, at a friend's house yeah. who had a VCR because yeah. we never I never had a VCR growing
0: up. Yeah. yeah so okay. so Deborah Van Valkenburg, she was one of the daughters on I think it was Too Close for Comfort, the Ted Knight sitcom oh sure there's the, the blonde one and the brunette one she was the brunette one and okay. yeah the the warriors come out to play that's david patrick kelly and that guy always plays a villain he was in i don't know if you ever saw the uh schwarzenegger commando movie he plays oh S- yeah yeah yeah, he yeah. Plays He's plays i like you i'll kill you last yeah and you dropped him over the cliff yeah, and they, uh, yeah, and the guy's like, "You yeah, you said you were going to kill me last." He's like, "No, I, I, I lied." Yeah, <laughs> so that's the guy.
1: I did see that movie, and I might have seen. Did I see that in the theater, Commando? That was pretty good. The guy with the chainmail, um, yeah, yeah, uh, uniform. You know,
0: yeah, looked like and, he was um, out of the village people. Yeah, no, Alyssa Milano played. Oh, the, the, the kidnapped... The, the little kidnapped, The daughter. The, the daughter, daughter. daughter of Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you yeah. know, she was on Who's the Boss later. <laughs> so, I never saw who was the Boss. All right. <laughs> so, now as Casey would say, I'm with the countdown.
2: Welcome to 1979,
0: everybody. Yeah, so that was a good base to start this out. So this is, yeah, Haven't Stopped Dancing Yet by Gonzalez off their album, Haven't Stopped Dancing. And Casey said, here's a hit by an English group with a Spanish name. 15 people from London who call themselves Gonzales.
1: <laughs> That's yeah. right off of disco
0: hits. <laughs> yeah. I think he also said, oh yeah, four of the guys sing and the rest of them play instruments like keyboard, saxophone, flute, and drums. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So at this point, this song was already on the top 10 of the disco chart, and Gonzalez were a British R&B and funk band. They became well known as a backing band for touring R&B, funk, and soul stars. Their self-titled album was released in 1974, and they recorded a total of six albums before disbanding in 1986. And uh, this song got to number 26, and it was their only top 40 hit, making them a certified one-hit wonder. I don't remember this song no. at all. No, but I, I kind of like it, though. Yeah, it's, a it's a good song. Good groove. Yeah. All
2: right.
1: Welcome to 1979
2: again. <laughs> Let your hair down. Time for you. Hmm.
1: Does he wow. say it? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe right now.
0: Right here. But you can do it there you it is. No. So, you Can Do It by Dobie Gray. So, this was just released as a single, actually. This one peaked a couple notches higher to number 37. This kind of has a BG sound to the music. Oh, yeah, without said, a doubt. Yeah. yeah. And Dobie Gray was an American singer and songwriter whose musical career spans soul, country, pop, and musical theater. His other hits included The In Crowd in 1965 and, and the big one, Drift Away, which was his biggest hit. Uh, that one went to number five in 73, had sold over one million copies and remains a staple of radio airplay. And Dobie Gray re-emerged as a recording artist for Capitol Records in the mid-80s, recording with producer Harold Shedd. Uh, he placed two singles on the U.S. country chart in 86 and 87 Seven, including uh, that's one to grow on, which peaked at number thirty-five. He made several appearances at Charlie Daniels' popular Volunteer Jam concerts. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, he passed away in December of two thousand eleven at the age of seventy-one. His his real name is uh, Lawrence Darrow Brown. In real
2: life. Tonight I'm gone.
1: Lobo, away. Poco. <laughs> and see. This is a big song. I, it it this was time I'm, of the year, 1979. I remember this song. I, I remember this too. Yeah.
2: When I finally got over your
0: <laughs> Yeah. So I'll start talking about it. This is "Crazy Love" by Poco off their album "Legend," and Casey had this long intro about how Poco has, at this point, been around for ten years. this crazy There it is, and um, you yeah, know they were very well respected, but their albums were only moderately successful, and this was their first top forty hit. They only had one original member left at this point, Rusty Young. Former members included Richard Fury, Jim Messina of Loggins and Messina, and Randy Meisner of the Eagles. This one peaked at number 17. They would have another top 40 hit in 1979 with Heart of the Night that went to number 20. And two more in 1989, Call It Love, number 18, and made Nothing to Hide that squeaked it at number 39 and uh, Rusty Young passed away in 2021 at the age of 75
2: Dreaming I must be dreaming Or am I really lying here with you Baby
0: You take Uh, This is uh, I Just Fall in Love Again by Ann Murray uh, for album A New Kind of Feeling. And uh, there it is. And uh, Casey said, this is the follow-up to Ann's big hit You Needed Me that went to number one in 1978. He also said, This is Canadian Anne Murray. (laughs) This one got to number 12. The Carpenters were the first to record this song, releasing it on their 1977 album Passage. Dusty Springfield was the next to record it, putting it out in her 1979 album, Living Without Your Love. Murray recorded it later that year, and her version was the hit going to the top of the adult contemporary chart. This was written by Stephen Dorff, Larry herbstrit Harold Lloyd, and Gloria Sklavaroff. Uh, Dorff, who entered the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2018, has a talent for writing heartfelt, emotional songs. His credits include Through the Years, by uh, Kenny Rogers and yep. Fire in the Morning by Melissa Manchester.
2: You don't bring me flowers.
1: You don't See Didn't we talk about this one before.
0: Yeah, so this is You Don't Bring Me Flowers by Barbara Streisand and Neil Diamond, and we had this on our episode 28 from November 18th, 1978, where it was number five, it had gotten to number one. And it's been on the chart for 16 weeks. Wow. And as mentioned, this song evolved when a disc jockey mixed single versions recorded by Stryzan and Diamond separately together, and that gained local popularity. And uh, so that prompted Columbia, Stryzan and Diamond to record their version together.
2: Yep.
0: Big song.
1: So, as you were discussing Poco uh, or Anne Murray, I, I looked at my my email. James Taylor is playing the local amphitheater on June June 25th, or excuse me, June 26th, um, which is a Monday. If You want to get me a a birthday gift?
0: And uh, it's. The Eagles opening up for them? Yeah. No? No. <laughs> so this is uh, Ooh, Baby, Baby by Linda Ronstadt, author of living in the USA. We actually had this one also on episode 28. It was at number 31. It had gotten a number seven. And uh, this was a cover of uh, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles hit from 1965.
1: these uh, one of these guys is your neighbor yeah
0: yeah or the more of these guys are your neighbors yeah right? it's two two or three three, three or of three of them three, yeah. I think it's three of them three of them actually yeah the the Picaro brothers <laughs> you got it this time good job yeah. I, was, I was nervous uh, yeah this is hold the line by Toto off of the album Toto and uh this is also a repeat from episode 28 Where it was number 33 on November 18th, 1978, it had gotten all the way up to number five, and this one's been on the chart for 19 weeks. Big song. uh, We talked about before. They they made an early music video for this song, and the uh, guitarist Steve Lukather is wearing some sweet suspenders. (laughs) Nice. Did he steal them from work from work? Or did he take them from the Ants in the Pants? uh...
2: I (laughs) I think this
1: song is so good. Yeah, this is really good. This is really, really
0: good. Yeah, this is another one. I just can't believe how many of them there are, but I, I think of uh, Gail and I joking around and like if I left for work and I came back in because I forgot something, I'd be like,
2: I just came back to let you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that was good synchronicity right there. Yeah. With the,
1: <laughs> with the song.
0: Yeah. But anyway, yeah, this is What You Won't Do for Love by Bobby Caldwell. Off his album, Bobby Caldwell, he had a career spanning 30 years, but this was his only Top 40 single, and the song he's best remembered for, this one got to number nine. He wrote this song uh, for his debut album, and after he'd recorded the other songs, and his manager expressed disappointment that there was no evident hit, Caldwell stuck this one in there. He was very popular in Japan. You wouldn't think it by his sound, but he's um, he's a Caucasian, actually. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, and this album went double platinum. He wrote many songs for other artists, including the number one single, The Next Time I Fall In Love, for Amy Grant and Peter Cetera, and his music's frequently sampled by hip-hop and R&B artists. And he's still with us. He's 71.
2: But you will give up. Long ago, the sound of the food don't see, trying
1: hard to recreate, but yet to be created. Sounds like the record skipping.
0: Yeah. Oops. There it is. (laughs) So, What a Fool Believes by the Doobie Brothers off the uh, album Minute by Minute. And uh, Casey said, this is a debut record for the Doobie Brothers. They're back with What a Fool Believes. So, Kenny Loggins co-wrote this one with michael mcdonald and loggins put a version on his album night watch which was released in july of 78 five months before the doobies put it on their album loggins version was never released as a single but the doobie brothers took this one to number one in april of 79 this was the band's second us number one after rollback Water. water And the uh, Dewey brothers took on a different sound at this point when they lost lead singer Tom Johnston due to illness in the mid 70s. Instead of the album rock they were known for, they had more of a soft rock sound with Michael McDonald as a lead singer. Minute by Minute was the only number one album the band ever had. And it went to number one in the U.S. but didn't even chart in the U.K. And the Doobies used on Those guys are fools. They're fools. The Doobies used an analog synthesizer called a sequential circuit's profit-5 on this song. And it kind of makes me think you and I should nickname it the Order Matters Synthesizer. (laughs) But, uh, you know, this is a great song to imitate... Michael McDonald, you know. She rises to her (laughs) apology. Make that cave in your head. (laughs) Number
2: 31. Look around you.
1: I mean, this song here, this is the winner of 1979. This is such a memorable countdown. Yeah, yeah,
0: I remember this one for sure. And this is not Sticks, Lady, nor the Commodore's, Lady, Lady. or my friend's former dog, Lady. (laughs) This is the Little River Band doing Lady off their album Sleeper Catcher. And this one went to number 10. It's off the same album as their bigger hit, Reminiscing, that went to number 3 in 78. Those were two of the biggest of their 13 top 40 hits between 1976 and 1983. And as we mentioned, there are a few hits with the title Lady. And we um, yeah, have Little River Band are a rock band originally formed in Melbourne, Australia in March of 1975. And the band achieved commercial success in both Australia and the US. They have sold more than 30 million records. Wow.
2: It always turns out good.
1: This is another huge song from Every this time. time. I've held you I
0: thought you understood. Yes. This is Every Time I Think of You by The Babies off their album Head First. And uh, the Babies are a British rock group, best known for their songs, Isn't It Time? and this song here. Both songs were composed by Jack Conrad and Ray Kennedy, and each reached number 13 on the US Billboard charts. They would have one more top 40 hit, Back on My Feet Again, that went to number 33 in 79.
1: Yeah, I remember that. I think, I think we've had that. Yeah, yeah. I think but, that was just coattailing off of this one.
0: Yeah. yeah, but you're right. Like as we go through these songs, that they're, they're all familiar to me.
1: Yeah, you know. Well, except for the few like "Haven't Stopped Dancing" and "You Can Do It" by Dolby Gray, but yeah, yeah. For the most part,
2: seasons
1: yeah. Come and go. Well, this one is number 29 with a bullet. And this was not in the count on the top 100 at all
0: last week. Week, you know, first week on the top 100. Yeah, and it's debuting here at number 29. This is Tragedy by the Bee Gees off their uh, album Spirits Having Flown. There it is. This song would reach number one on March 24, 79, giving the Bee Gees their eighth chart topper in the U.S. The Gibb Brothers wrote Tragedy and Too Much Heaven, another number one hit in an afternoon off from making the movie Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. At least something which, good came out of that. Yeah, yeah, so they did the movie and during the day, and then in the evening they, they wrote... Those two songs, and then another hit single, Shadow Dancing, which their brother Andy took to number one. And then their next single, Love You Inside Out, also went to number one. But then is when Disco fell out of favor and their single stifled. Anything with the Bee Gees name on it kind of became toxic after that. And so they stifled it, Bee Gees. Yep, they focused on writing for other artists, and they were successful doing it. Among their hits in that phase were Woman in Love by Barbara Streisand and Heartbreaker by Dionne Warwick. I always thought this was a pretty good Bee Gees effort, though. Yeah. This is a good song, yeah. To make the thunderclap sound, uh, Barry Gibb cupped his hands over the microphone and made an exploding noise with his mouth. Several of these sounds were mixed together, creating a large boom heard in the song. Well, this is one i didn't remember actually i certainly recognized the voice of the artist this is al home... stewart right <laughs> no <laughs> this is jerry rafferty oh okay. Yeah. and it's home and dry off his album city to city off this album where his earlier hits baker street and right down the line this was the least popular of of the three songs only getting to the, Right here, number 28. Uh, Jerry would have two more top 40 hits, Days Gone Down, number 17, and Get It Right Next Time, number 21, both in later 1979. And yeah, Jerry unfortunately passed away in 2011 at the age of 63. So next was a uh,
1: long-distance dedication uh, in the countdown, and I, I just wrote LDD. LDD. Uh, not LSD, not what are the Mormons known as? LDS? (laughs) Latter-day Saints? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So (laughs) Latter-day.
0: Yeah. Um, I have that. he played Lean on Me by Bill Withers. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah.
1: So we'll go on to number 27 right now.
2: at me that way i
0: know what you're oh she was great in uh, 80 for brady <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you gave it away but yeah who could mistake this voice Yeah, come is on it? this is great yeah. this is dolly parton and this is baby i'm burning uh, off her album heartbreaker this one got a couple notches higher to number 25 but went to number one on the country chart and it's kind of a country meets disco burner inspired by Dolly's nights out at Studio Fifty Four. Oh my goodness! Ma- imagine yeah. what she was wearing. You know. Yeah,
2: yeah she reco-
0: she uh, said in her uh, her 2020 book, Songteller, um, she'd go there and everybody was dancing and she she didn't. She just liked to watch and sit mm-hmm. there and be part of the whole scene. Just sit on the couch and talk to people like Andy Warhol. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, Yeah, although some of her previous songs, like Jolene, were revamped for the dance floor, Baby I'm Burning was Dolly's first song purposely aimed at the disco craze, and it landed at number 15 on the dance chart. Wow. And Heartbreaker is Dolly's 20th solo album and her third consecutive number one on the country chart.
1: this is when you get the song you get when you have a bunch of artists together yeah went to the Rhode Island School of Art and they like uh, they're like who's this
0: Al Green yeah yeah Yeah, so this is The Talking Heads, and this is Take Me to the River, off their album More Songs About Buildings and Food. And yeah, this one peaked right here at number 26, and as you said, it was written by Al Green with his guitarist, Teeny Hodges. And it first appeared on Green's 1974 album, Al Green Explores Your Mind. Uh, it wasn't a hit, but it attracted lots of cover versions, including uh, by Syl Johnson in 1975, Foghat did it in 1976, and Brian Ferry in 1978. Green and Johnson's versions were well-known in the R&B circles. A key element to this Talking Heads version of the song, apart from other covers, is the tempo. They had been playing the song live for a while and had a good feel for it when they entered the studio. But when they recorded it, they played it as slowly as they could without losing the groove. Oh, it has a groove. Yeah. Yeah. And this gave the song a seductive feel that set it apart. Take Me to the River was their biggest hit to this point and the only single from the album. It earned them a spot on American Bandstand, getting them on national TV for the first time. These guys were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2002. This was the only cover song they ever did. David Byrne resented that it wasn't one of his songs that was the hit. So he said, I'm not doing any more cover songs. And the Talking Heads would uh, have two more top 40 hits. Burning Down the House went to number nine in 83 and Wild Wild Life. Number 25 in 86. And... Um, at the beginning of COVID-19, once in a lifetime reached number 10 on the Rock digital song sales list. All right, number 25. Many long
2: conversations no one is hearing a word
1: I remembered this. Did you? You did? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember this one. This is Dancing <laughs> Shoes by Nigel Olson. Or, yeah, Olson. Ol- Olson. Olson. Yeah. yeah. When you used to come to the plant, you know, before you you know, <laughs> get ready to go, put on my
0: safety shoes. <laughs> okay, Did yeah. Did you do that? I didn't do that. <laughs> oh, come on. You should have. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking it was that other song, you know, that my, 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 my dancing shoes. Is that Ringo did that one or something? (laughs) No, no. That was Casey and the Sunshine Band. Ah, okay.
1: Put on my dancing shoes and boogie with you. Yeah. Okay. So this is, and then of course, the companion song is put on my safety glasses. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) So anyhow, let's go on to number 24. Yeah.
0: this one shaking, i do remember for shaking. sure oh yeah. yeah yeah so this is uh, shake your groove thing by peaches and herb off their album Too Hot, and that's the number two in Ooh, H-O-T. H.O.T. Yeah. And Casey said several weeks ago, Peaches and Herb peaked at number two on the disco chart. This week, they're at number 24 on the pop chart. This would get to number five. This song was a Freddie Perrin production. Perrin worked at Motown Records, where he co wrote uh, the Jackson 5 hits, I Want You Back, The Love You Save, and before uh, forming his own production company with another former Motown writer. Dino Ficaris. So Herb was Herb Feemster from Washington, D.C. He had worked at uh, record stores in the 60s with Dino Ficaris, and there was an original Peaches Francine Barker, and they had a number... Yeah, this is like the third or fourth Peaches, right? Yeah. They had a number eight hit in 67 with Close Your Eyes and a number 13 with Love is Strange. Herb quit the business in 1970 and became a police officer in Washington, D.C. He got back together with a new Peaches, Linda Green, and Shake Your Groove thing was released as... The first single off the Too Hot album. The follow-up proved uh, even more successful as a ballad, Reunited. That one went to oh, yeah. number one. And they'd they better than Reunited. Yeah. They'd have one more top 40 hit with I Pledge My Love that went to number 19 and 79, but many hits on the dance charts. Herb Feimster, also known as Herb Fame, is still with us. He's 81. And Linda Green, now Linda Tavani, is still with us, uh, but I couldn't find Find an age on her but uh she has her own website so I'm sure she's older than us yeah happy birthday all right
1: I do not have a uh karaoke version of this by anybody yeah Billy Joel
0: my life yeah, this know. was um, also on our episode 28. Yep. It was number nine back then. It had gotten all the way up to number three and been on the charts for 15 weeks. Yep. Baby cried the
2: day the circus came to town.
0: So is this with my circus tropes? Yeah, you know, I, I never really listened to the lyrics of this, only the chorus. I didn't realize it had the circus stuff in it. I really like this song,
1: even though it's yeah. done by Maureen McCormick. You know, who <laughs> was playing a stripper on <laughs> Fantasy Island and got her nose broken and on the Brady Bunch six years ago
0: this is Melissa Manchester oh. we, we need a spreadsheet with all the M&M uh female artists from <laughs> the 70s I think so we don't get it mixed up don't get them mixed up
2: the bricks you dip in the gold and the gold you dip in the red paint
0: yeah, this is Don't Cry Out Loud uh, off her album Platinum and Gold Collection. And, um, you know, I, I wondered if Melissa Manchester was her real name. I thought, is it really Melissa South Windsor? <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> or Melissa uh, East Windsor. Yeah. <laughs> this one got to number <laughs> 10. It was written by Peter <laughs> Allen and Carol Bayer Sayer. Well, Among- you
1: know what's so funny is jack benny had rochester okay
2: yeah.
1: rochester van jones who was you know eddie anderson was was rochester and when he when he had the coleman's on ronald coleman and benita Ronald coleman was in in that movie we talked about last week uh, the lost horizon and he would go over to borrow a cup of sugar or or, or a couple eggs from <clears throat> from the uh from the coleman's because they live next door in in the radio world they would call him manchester <laughs> oh hello manchester <laughs> <laughs> so go listen to jack benny in the
0: late 40s it is it is awesome okay so. so this song uh, won a grammy nomination for best pop female vocal performance but it did, didn't win and um uh, Bayer Sayer wrote a handful of tunes with Manchester, including her 1975 hit, Midnight Blue. And Melissa had seven top 40 hits between 1975 and 1982. And she's still with us. She's 71 years old. This is a great song. Would you call the 70s sap? No. Okay. It, you know, great vocals in this one. So, yeah. So I'm glad I heard Casey pronounce this because I wouldn't have done it right. <laughs> I would call it Chanson. Right. It's really Chanson. Chanson. <laughs> yeah. C H A N S O N. Yeah. It's it's a French pronunciation and uh yeah this is their song don't hold back they were an american studio based disco group from the late 70s led by bassist james jamerson jr and guitarist david williams Chassan is a french word meaning thong <laughs> so yeah. those those french have a different word for everything <laughs> <laughs> it's so this, very well regulated yeah So this was a one-hit wonder, reaching number 21. uh, Where it is right now. And uh, in the early 70s, Jamerson Jr. became an in-demand session bassist. And in the next three decades, he played on studio albums by Janet Jackson, Smokey Robinson, and Aretha Franklin, to name a few. And Williams uh, himself also became a prolific session musician, performing guitar on albums by the Jacksons and various members of the Jackson family, along with Madonna and the Pointer Sisters and other artists. Holy Uh, moly. But he died in 2009 at the age of 58 and, and Jamerson died in 2016 at the age of 58. So Ooh. yikes and yikes there. Yeah. This has a great groove.
1: You know? Yeah. And you can imagine why they would hire this fella to do this. So. All right. <laughs> blue morning, blue day. The world's greatest cover band nowadays is is Foreigner because no one's in it that was in it when this came out 44 years ago. Yeah. Not Robert Planet. No, he was in... Oh, I heard Dazed and Confused live today on my way home from work on Deep Tracks. Oh my God. (laughs) It was awful. So So here we go.
0: Yeah, there it is. Blue Morning, Blue Day by Foreigner off of Double Vision. And Casey said, this is the sixth consecutive top 40 hit for the Anglo-American band who call themselves Foreigner. This one got to number 15. The song was written by Lou Graham and Mick Jones. Uh, this yeah. was the third single from their second album, Double Vision, following Hot Blooded and the title track. And each of their four albums sold at least five million copies. So. Wow, that's a lot of records. Yeah. All right. <laughs> On to number 19.
1: Warm summer's Eve On a train bound for the
2: I met up with the gambler we were both too tired to sleep so we took turns of staring
1: you know when kenny rogers started singing there it almost sounded as though he was like singing through a jews harp you know yeah with that doing he said son i've made a light. yeah Not so
0: there it is it's the gambler by kenny rogers off his album the gambler and this one got to number 16. I remember this being very popular because when I was in uh, freshman year of high school, I used to play poker with some kids in the neighborhood. And it was like, we'd always wow. sit there and go, oh, you, you got to know when to <laughs> hold on. Like...
2: <laughs>
0: but uh, The Gambler was written by Nashville songwriter Don Schlitz. I'll have to- a Schlitz. Yeah. According to the Reader's Digest Country and Western Songbook, Schwitz wrote the tune in honor of his late father, quote, the best man I ever knew. He wasn't a gambler, explained, but the song was my way of dealing with the relationship that I had with him. And, the hold 'em and fold 'em phrase became a common saying and is one of those lyrics that sounds like it must have already existed in the collective consciousness, but Schlitz insists that he had never heard it before when it came when he came up with it. And uh, this song had a huge impact on both Kenny Rogers and the writer Don Schlitz. Uh, Rogers had three number one country hits under his belt at this point, but The Gambler gave him the title track to his biggest selling album. Schlitz was able to quit his graveyard shift job as a computer operator at Vanderbilt University to become a full-time songwriter after this hit song. Well,
1: you know, Schlitz has real gusto. It's also the beer that made Milwaukee famous. Yeah. it's just a kiss of the hops the gambler, he
0: broke it's people, the greatest name in beer in <laughs> and when it's right you know it yeah. it was my father's brand after he switched from Schaefer in the 70s
1: <laughs> well that's the one beer to have when you're having more than one <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs>
0: well is Mr. Schlitz still with us you know, I didn't write that down, but I, hopefully he is. He was pretty young when he wrote this song, early twenties. Well, oh, that, that that's good. You know. I, this song is great. Yeah.
1: Okay, give me a Roman numeral because you know the Super Bowls this weekend, um, which is uh, what uh, L V
0: I I. Something like that, but um, I was
1: I was out in Phoenix where it's being held, and I took a photograph of a skyscraper. So you tell me
0: what this is off of, I'll tell you what the Super Bowl is. Well, I can't give you a Roman numeral because this is off of
2: hot, hot streets. streets. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so this is Chicago. No tell lover is I swear. Is this Chicago trying to copy the Bee Gees? <laughs> Maybe. But uh, this was written by. Peter Satera, Lee Longmane, and Danny Serafin. And uh, Satera and Donnie Dacus uh, sing lead vocals. This one got to number 14 and number 5 on the adult contemporary chart. So after this song, Chicago failed to chart a single in the U.S. top 50 for nearly 40 years, finally breaking their slump in 1982 with the number one hit, Hard to Say, I'm Sorry. Forty years or four years? Did you say four zero? I said four zero. Yeah. And I, am I should it be four? I guess it's three. I don't know. That's what I had cut and pasted, so I believe <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. So
1: it is it's, Super Bowl fifty-seven. I found the picture uh, from when I was in Phoenix. Yeah. And uh, after this, we had another uh, another number one hit of the '70s. I wrote A N A N H M E. Can You uh, decode that for me, please. Uh, Alone again, naturally. Yes. By Gilbert O'Sullivan. Sullivan. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. No. That was that was after number. No, that's later. No. I have G-O-S. If you're looking at my screen over here. So I don't know what this one was. What's the other one? G-O-S. No, no, no. That's Gilbert O'Sullivan. What's right. A-N? Well,
0: time out. Well, let's just listen to it. Ready? Oh, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Yeah, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. By Diana Ross. Yeah. See, the, yeah. what's in the book isn't in order here, so you're you're confusing me. Well, you should know acronyms. You you've lived acronyms for thirty-five years of your career. Yeah. Alright. We're gonna go on to number seven. Well, you said DMB once and then you had to tell me it was Dave Matthews. Being.
1: <laughs> Heaven knows, man. Heaven knows.
2: This your your
1: is this is a great song. Yeah.
2: Till
1: eternity. So, Ooh, uh, silently, yeah, so, so silently. silently Listen to the words I say, listen to the words I say.
2: <laughs> Just for play listen to me, please. Won't you listen to me
0: there it is heaven knows all
1: these words for some reason
0: (laughs) so the this is credited to donna summer with brooklyn dreams this got to number four joe bean esposito sings on the track with donna summer it's not a typical duet as it's all from the same perspective esposito just echoes her lines in the verses hey espo yeah, Espo was in the group Brooklyn Dreams, which was also signed to Summer's label Casablanca. His bandmates Bruce Sudano and Ed Hokinson sang backup on the track. After the song was released, Brooklyn Dreams toured with Donna Summer so they could join her on stage and perform Heaven Knows. They made a number of TV appearances performing the song as well. At the time, Summer was dating a Sedano, and in 1980, they were married. And the oh. union lasted until Donna Summer, unfortunately, died in 2012 at the age of 63. Yeah. And Summer wrote this with the help of Pete Belote, Greg Matheson, and Giorgio Moroder. Giorgio Moroder, yeah. You know, I had him before with the disco
1: stuff. Yeah. This is, this is, hey, I, I'm back I'm back in the eighth grade with this. This is great. Yeah.
0: So, is this Sam and Dave? Is it Pete and Mark? (laughs) <laughs> or is it Mark and Pete? <laughs> is it Nate and John? <laughs> well, they're all soul men. All those guys you mentioned, but uh, uh, this is soul man by Is the- it
1: Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: got
0: <what I> got. <laughs> So this is Soul Man by the Blues Brothers, released as a single. And this was yeah, originally done by Sam and Dave, and it was a hit in 1967 going to number two. This was written by Isaac Hayes and David Porter. The Blues Brothers released this as their first single in 1979. It hit number 14 in the U.S., and it helped establish the duo as a legitimate act because the Blues Brothers were Saturday Night Live comedians John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. They turned their skit on the show into a movie and a tour. Their backing musicians included Paul Schaefer from Late Night with David Letterman, as well as Steve Crocker and Donald Duck Duck Dunn who were members of Booker T and the MGs, MGs. who did the music on the original Sam and Dave Soul Man and the Blues Brothers performed the song as the cold opener of a November 1979 episode of Saturday Night Live they later released the song as a single which reached number 14 in February of 79 that must have been November 70 November 78 yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. the soul man was educated at Woodstock sometimes misheard as educated from Goodstock this was written two years before the famous festival David Porter chose the name Wood- stock to envision a school out in the sticks. Great song. Good job, boys.
1: You know, I'm going to have to force myself to listen to, like, the local pop radio station on the way to work one day. Because this is a great variety and to go from Kenny Rogers to Chicago to Donna Summer to the Blues Brothers and now to this song by uh, Ian Matthews called
2: <laughs>
1: you know this is this is this is great variety
0: yeah yeah no 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 question yeah. yeah, this is uh, Shake It by Ian Matthews, uh, only released as a single and um, his real name is Ian McDonald. he's an English musician singer songwriter he was an original member of the British folk rock band Fairpoint Convention from 1967 to 69 before leaving to form his own band Matthew Southern Comfort which had a UK number one hit in 1970 with a cover of Joni Mitchell's Woodstock <laughs> um, <laughs> in 1979 his cover of Terrence Boylan's Shake It reached number 13 on the U.S. charts and he changed his name to Ian Matthews which Matthews was his mother's maiden name in 1968 to avoid confusion with Ian McDonald of King Crimson and uh, he's, he's still with us he's 76 years
2: old
1: We had uh, Toto on earlier with Hold a Line. And uh, I think on Toto One or the first Toto record, there was a song, Georgie Porgy, or might have been on a later Toto record. And this young lady sang on the
0: Georgie Porgy song. Do you have I, that in your show notes? I did not. But this young lady, how she got discovered, is very interesting. Yeah. So this is Cheryl Lynn, and the song has got to be real off her album, Cheryl Lynn. Her real name is Linda Cheryl Smith, and this got to number 12. And Cheryl Lynn, she released this as her first single after being discovered on The Gong Show. Oh, wow. Where she sang a rendition of You Are So Beautiful that blew away the judges. So... JP Morgan did not Gong her? I guess not And I wonder if she came on right after Jean Jean the Dancing Machine <laughs> But uh, yeah, the, the Gong Show wasn't a typical place to spot New talent unless you were looking For someone to you know, burp the Alphabet out but uh, Lynn <laughs> made quite an impact On the show and it drew the attention of CBS Records and Got To Be Real was by far her biggest hit, reaching number 12 on the uh, pop chart and number one on the R&B chart. The follow-up, Star Love, was her next highest entry on the Hot 100, but she was a regular on the R&B charts, and uh, she scored another chart topper with Encore. Ray Parker Jr. of Ghostbusters fame played guitar on this song, and uh, Cheryl's still with us. She's 65, and do you remember Cot Soda? Back in yeah. the 70s, yeah, yeah. it's caught uh, to be good. Yeah, I used yeah. to joke that they should have used this. It's, it's a yeah. to be real. <laughs>
1: so I looked up Georgie Porgy, and uh, it was written by David Page and it was on the Toto first record. All right, where it's where's where hold the line was, and the lead vocals are performed by Steve Lukather and cheryl Lynn. Ah. And uh, it's singing the adoption of the nursery rhyme. Georgie Porgy and you'll hear that on
0: Yacht Rock Radio. So Yeah, interesting.
1: It, she's great.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, the end of this song, I, I swear it must have inspired Mariah Carey. Oh yeah. It does a yeah. you know big big vocal yeah. ending.
1: She's great too. Now, <clears throat> how many friends did you have that went out and bought all four of the records?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm trying to think if I had any friends that were uh, were into those guys back then. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think Timmy
1: G, who I don't think listens to the podcast, I haven't talked to him in 40 years. had this but our our guest uh, host Jaime, bought all these records probably 30 years ago you know for a dollar each mm-hmm. and this is this is uh, uh, not Peter Chris mm-hmm. it's not Paul Stanley it's not Gene
0: Simmons who is it? Ace Freely, uh, whose real name is Paul Daniel Freely. Yeah, this one peaked right here at number thirteen. Ace Freely is a full-blooded New Yorker, but New York Groove was written by an Englishman, don't you know? (laughs) Russ Ballard. Oh, Russ Ballard,
1: who wrote who wrote the Rainbow songs and the Santana songs.
0: Yep. Yep, and he was a guitarist with the band Argent. hold your head high yep and he wrote the the bones of the song while on a plane flying to new york to work on a roger daltrey solo album and ballard hadn't been in the city in a while and he was getting back in the new york groove he had written a song called You Move Me for the English band Hello. And then when he returned to the UK, their manager asked for another song and he gave them New York Groove, which they released in 1975. Their version was a top 10 hit in England and Germany, but made no impact in the US. And Ace Frehley, the guitarist for Kiss, turned it into a hit stateside with his version that came out in 78, which became his signature song. And he says, quote, a lot of people think I wrote New York Groove. He told Song Facts, but that was a cover. He was still with Kiss when he released the song. And as you alluded to, in 1978, each member of the band released a solo album album. On the same day, as part of a mostly friendly and highly marketable competition, and Simmons had the best-selling album, but freely had the only hit song with New York Groove. And Ace is still with us. He's 71, so he's not in the Kiss casket yet. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was he? He wasn't the cat. He was a spaceman.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. The cat was Peter Criss. Yeah. yeah. And the demon was... Oh, my gosh. I'm not part of the KISS Army. Stop right there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Good song. Loki and Veal. Weren't they on Star Trek? Loki and Veal with the black and white faces?
2: (laughs) That's right. I am black on the right side. Loki is white on the right side. All of his people are white on the right
1: side. Yeah. and one of them was uh, was the frank, joker uh frank gorsham the riddler. Yeah. Yeah. riddler yeah what did i say the joker yeah no yeah. it wasn't it wasn't cesar romero yeah. this guy's not much older than we are no but he's got a lot more miles than us i think
0: yeah yeah <laughs> for sure <laughs> this is actually really catchy it is (laughs) so yeah this was i was made for dancing by L- leaf per nervic also known as leaf garrett the song was written by michael lloyd and it got to number 10 it also reached number is it two. lloyd or leloyd <laughs> it's L- Lloyd. okay yeah. you gotta say it that way then yeah. lelloyd yeah i don't understand ll you know it's like la llama yeah but uh this one got uh yeah number two number 10 in germany and uh number 12 in japan and it Ranked number 37 on the Billboard year-end, hot 100 singles of 79. This one was one of Leif Garrett's uh, three top 40 hits and his biggest. The others were covers, the Beach Boys, Surfing USA, yes. and Dion's Runaround Sue. So this one wasn't. And uh, Leaf is still with us. Yeah, he's 61. Has, has lived all 61 of those years.
2: found time enough to love and I found love enough to hold you so tonight
1: alright did Casey say anything about this and that's
0: nothing that I wrote down Cause this is Barry yeah sun,
2: you lost in the feeling so glad you
0: somewhere in the night we will know. there it is somewhere in the night barry manilow off his album even now this one went to number nine and number four in the contemporary chart after hitting it big with looks like we made it on his previous album barry manilow recorded another richard carr william jennings collaboration this was the most successful version of the song, but it wasn't the first. In 1975, a couple of other acts brought it to the charts, including Helen Reddy at number 19. Yeah, And uh, Batdorf and Rodney at number 69 Richard Carr also recorded his own version And Yvonne Elliman and Kim Carnes also covered it For their respective albums that year So Barry's still with us, he's 79 Barry Allen Pincus, real name <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think Barry's going to come up in a uh, like A little later in some commentary that you have I like this song. I, I hate who it. wrote it. Oh, I shouldn't say hate. I I have love-hate relationship. Love-hate relationship. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I think this is the best cover of a Neil Young song ever.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah, I didn't know it was Neil Young either. So yeah, yeah. This is this. I, boy.
1: If I could go back, let's see, 1979, what, 20, 44 years ago already?
2: Right? Is yeah. that right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So this is a lot of love by Nicolette Larson off her album Nicolette. And uh, this one got to number eight. And as you said, Neil Young wrote this. He released his own version on his 1978 album, Comes a Time, around the same time as Nicolette Larson issued it as her first single. Neil Young started playing the song live in 1976, long before he recorded it. After it became a hit for Nicolette Larson, he would sometimes slip it into his sets, baffling the more fair weather of his fans who didn't know he wrote it. (laughs) Nicolette Larson worked with Neil Young as a backup singer, first on his 1977 album American Stars and Bars, and then on comes a time. And according to Larson, she heard the song when she found a tape on the floor of Young's car that included his demo and she put it in the tape player and commented on what a great song it was and neil said you want it it's yours Um, good for him yeah rolling stone declared larson female vocalist of 1978 but she had trouble following up with lot of love with another hit the highest she got was number 35 with her 1979 Michael McDonald duet, Let Me Go, Love. And in the mid 80s, she switched genres to country and made a handful of appearances on the country chart. And unfortunately, she passed away very young, only, only at 45 in 1997. Ooh. I just saw the Bannocks last night where the Buffalo Springfield are on playing in the back. Oh, of yeah. The club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Neil Young was there. We're counting down the most popular songs in the country from
2: Kodiak to Kokomo, from Hartford to Honolulu. Number nine, number
1: nine, number nine. Well, good for the Brothers Gib. Two songs in the top 40 this week. Yeah. Everyone knows this song.
2: Yeah, what do they get this? too much of Too
0: much heaven yeah. and um yeah this is off the album spirits having flown and uh this was number 35 on our episode 28 from november 18 1978 it had gotten a number one and it's been on the chart for 13 weeks and as we mentioned then the bjs donated the realties from this song an estimated uh, value of seven million dollars to unicef that's a lot and, of money back uh, then yep so
1: what is seven million dollars what would you say earlier you said you said uh, a quarter was a dollar so yeah right so what's seven times four 28 million yeah you yeah. told me there'd be no math on this yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I thought you were the guy that you could usually do it in your head and would be yelling at me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were over mousing. Come on. (laughs) 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 All
1: right. So we're going to go from uh, number nine to what happens, uh, Mr. Math?
0: What's lower than than nine? Uh, Number eight. But the ninth month is September. We're yeah, September. And this is September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. Off the best of Earth, Wind, and Fire, volume one. Yeah. And Casey said... Now I have the song from the reigning champs of the soul artists. They're number one in four categories last year. Soul album single, soul album, soul singles artist, and they were named the number one soul artist of 1978. The song has a tendency to make people happy whenever they hear it, including myself. And uh, Ellie Willis, who wrote the song with Maurice White and Al McKay from Earth, Wind, and Fire, described it as joyful music. This one peaked at number eight. Now, our friend and loyal listener Mike T texted me, not knowing that this was on the countdown, but he came across something that he realized that he went to the big state university in our our state, uh, where the husky is the symbol. And his R.A. in his dorm was a guy by the name of Mo Pleasure or Morris Pleasure. He played with Earth, Wind and Fire for nine years in the uh, early 90s and and, uh, into the uh, early 2000s. And he was born in the big city like me. And then he moved downstate when he was seven years old. He originally went to college for engineering and then switched to music. He left the school, as Mike told me, uh, after the, uh, I think, the end of the first semester of, of the year, and he went on tour with Ray Charles. And, um, wow. Yeah, after that, he did, yeah, nine years with Earth, Wind & Fire, starting in 1993. He's currently Bette Midler's music director. And who did that before Mo? Well. That was Mr. Barry Manilow. That's right. Yeah. And he has collaborated with artists such as Natalie Cole, Roberta Flack, Michael Jackson, and Peter Cetera. And he also does a lot of philanthropy work, uh, trying to encourage kids to get into music. So uh, yeah, he's very interesting.
1: That's a great story.
2: You by
1: my but or a great song. Yeah. This is a great song, too.
0: We're both bobbing our heads. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Doing that a lot in this countdown after set. kidding.
2: i have known just one second, back to bother me, the door. Well, you not, you're not
1: welcome welcome anymore. Anymore. you the one who tried to hurt me with you, just think
0: I'd you think it's I'd just break down dream and, dream and dream. cry? We'll no, no, survive. There it is. Yeah, so I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor off her album Love Tracks. Uh, her real name is Gloria Fowles. This one went to number one. This was written by former Motown producers Freddie Perrin and Dino Fakaris. Perrin was the co-writer on three number one Jackson 5 hits. We talked about them earlier, I Want You Back, The Love You Save, and ABC. And uh, Fakaris' biggest co-write with Motown was I Just Want to Celebrate by Rare Earth, mm-hmm. We mentioned at uh, sure. the beginning of the countdown but he yeah. also plays tracks with the temptations and the four tops we also heard about these guys earlier with their involvement with peaches and Herb. this is probably one of the most famous female empowerment anthems that ever was this one in 1970 well what about i am woman yeah that one roar. too yeah 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 they're
1: they're both One's a disco song, the other one's not.
0: (laughs) But uh, this one won the 1979 Grammy for Best Disco Recording, beating out Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, Bad Girls, Boogie Wonderland, and Do You Think I'm Sexy?
1: Holy crap, how could you choose from those? Yeah,
0: I mean, that's unbelievable, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was the first first and last time the Grammy was offered in that category, but not the last win for Gloria Gaynor, who... uh, won Best Roots Gospel Album 40 years later in 2019 for Testimony. And she's still with us. She's 79. She's still active. In 2022, she competed on Season 8 of The Masked Singer as The Mermaid. Wow.
1: Remember what this song is called?
2: It's
0: too bad it was only her. Yeah it's the name of this song is everyone's a winner by hot chocolate and uh this one peaked right here at number six hot chocolate are a british soul band popular during the 70s and 80s formed by errol brown and tony wilson the group had at least one hit song every year on the uk singles chart from 1970 to 1980 and uh we've seen these guys a few times before on the u.s chart with you sexy thing their biggest hit that went to number three in 76 and so you win again that went to number 31 in 77 they had a total of five top 40 hits in in the u.s their lead singer errol brown he has a very distinctive voice. He was from Jamaica, don't you know? But uh, unfortunately, he passed away in 2015 at the age of 71.
2: I'm um. in <laughs> your car. You turn on the radio.
1: Hi, me and my buddy Adam would always say,
2: I just. I say I don't like it, but you know I'm a liar,
0: cause when we kiss, ooh, fire. There it is, Fire, by the Pointer Sisters off their album Energy. Casey said... Here's a Bruce Springsteen's composition produced by Richard Perry and performed by the Pointer Sisters. <laughs> right off now, the was pitch. "Energy"
1: spelled the same way that other record was "Energy" or the band, or is uh-huh. it spelled like we would spell it from a it, it, dictionary?
0: It, it's the normal English dictionary spelling. Yeah.
1: Because remember that other one that was like spelled differently? Yeah. I forget what it was.
0: Yeah but uh, yeah this one got to number two it's written by Bruce Springsteen who at the time was embroiled in litigation with his former manager which kept him from recording his own songs Springsteen wrote this for Elvis Presley his idol growing up he sent Elvis a demo in uh, 1977 but Elvis died soon after Elvis died (laughs) so (laughs) radio stations sometimes inserted their station name into the Pointer Sisters version of this song after the line you turn on the radio this song and he's so WDRC shy. yeah <laughs> this song and he's so shy were the Pointer Sisters biggest hits in the 70s between uh 73 and 1986 they had 16 top 40 hits and they won three Grammys I was going to mention, sadly, Anita Pointer passed away on the last day of 2022 at the age of 74. So, RIP. Yeah. Yeah. So, even though the Bee Gees
1: were on the chart twice already, there was a long distance dedication uh, that was up next by the Bee Gees. And I just have LDD
0: Bee Gees. Remember what song it is? Staying Alive. Yeah. Staying alive, yep, long distance dedication. Yeah. Talk about overkill. Yeah, you
1: know, it's
0: really incredible how big a living Newton John was. R- really is I you know we obviously knew her and knew her songs but doing this podcast it's like how many times has she shown up on the chart it's yeah. it's quite incredible you know? yeah so this is a little more love she's gonna say it make it up. here it comes
1: And that she would use Xanadu and ruin her career for a while yeah, Jeff Lynn and yeah, but, uh, Yellow yeah, Electric Light Orchestra.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so this was off her album, Totally Hot. This one, it was get, totally hot, dude. Yeah, so it'd get one notch higher to number three. So it was written and produced by Newton John's longtime record producer, John Farrar. Billboard magazine ranked A Little More Love as the 17th most popular song of 79. And Olivia passed away last August at the age of 73. Of course, she was honored at the Grammys in their In Memoriam segment with a lot of other artists that passed away last year. There'll
1: be a lot more of them next year.
0: all right this this is what what are you gonna do with this song this is like the best yeah so we had this one before um this was number 37 on our episode 28 from november 78. la freak by chic uh, had gotten a number one and it's been on the charts for 16 weeks as we mentioned before chic was uh a group led by bass player Bernard Edwards and guitarist Nile Rodgers. He was honored with a, a special award or lifetime achievement at the Grammys this year. And the two because Bernie's been gone for a long time. Yeah, yeah Niall Rogers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the the two of them wrote this after they were denied admission to uh, to Studio, Studio 54. 54. Dolly got in, but they couldn't get in. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. great song. Oh yeah. my gosh.
1: <laughs> I was talking to a guy today we got this contractor at the company. Nice kid. Robert. And he says he's trying to... Uh, uh, get another place to live. And I says, why don't you just go live at the YMCA? There's a guy that I went to college with, same college you went to, who was getting a... psychology degree or something, like a doctorate. And he lived... Right next to where your father worked, right where my wife parks her car right now, in the big city, near the big uh, arena where the hockey team would play.
0: And he lived at the YMCA. Yeah, you, you know, that story sounds familiar to me. Did, did I know him too?
2: I don't or know. could have
0: known him. He worked Does, at the bookstore. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Or did I tell you the story before?
1: Maybe that's how you know. It. I mean, Maybe we've only known each other for thirty plus years.
0: Yeah, it's, it's possible. <laughs> yeah, of course. This is why I'm saved by the village people. This was uh, number twenty-two in our episode twenty-eight.
1: And when I told I'm Robert that, he says, "What are you trying to say about me, man?" I says, "Dude." <laughs> chill out a lot of people stayed at the ymca yeah
0: that's the village people yeah. <laughs> yeah. so this one's been on the church for 17 weeks at this point
1: wow this is a great song
2: <laughs>
1: it really is that song was
0: generational and so is this one if you think about uh, who covered it which we'll get into in a bit
1: (laughs) this is spot on for this time yeah when I was at it this is this is huge this is Rod and I think uh Department of Peace helped write write this song, is that true?
0: That's true. Brummer? Yeah, yeah. Department of Peace was in uh Well, the Faces. Well, actually, well, no, Rod was in the faces. Rod was in the Faces. Department yeah. of Peace, wasn't he in I'll I'll look it up. Keep going. I, I'll go. So. Yes, of course, this is, yeah, Do You Think I'm Sexy by Rod Stewart. This is off the number one album in the country during this week. Stewart was known for his soulful blues and folk ballads, but this song was a disco departure and it gave him a new look. He attracted many new fans, but alienated many of the old ones who had no interest in disco and fondly remembered Rod as a member of The Faces, uh, where he earned a reputation as a hard-rocking party animal. Most of the music for the song, as we said, was written by drummer Carmine Peace. right? Who was in
1: Vanilla Fudge, ah, Cactus, yeah. Beck, Bobo Gart, and Apiece. right? Okay, so, so he is, and his little brother is Carmen Apice, okay? <laughs> who was in Black Sabbath and uh, and uh, Dio and Heaven and Hell, you know? So they they say their names differently. Yeah. One says a piece, and the other says apathy.
0: Now, I forget which is what, but whatever great song yeah so carmine piece, he said they were in the studio and the song miss you by the rolling stones was a big hit Mm. and uh rod was always a guy that used to listen to what was going on around him and he was always looking at the charts and listening and he was a big fan of the stones so when they came out with miss you disco was really big so he wanted to do some kind of disco-y song Something like Miss You, but nothing like a Corriganer would do. So Rod came up with the chorus. In 1979, and I remember this fondly, there was a comedy special called Bob and Ray, Jane Lorraine, and Gilda, featuring at that point old-time comedy stars Bob Elliott and Ray Goulding, And 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 featuring Jane Curtin, Lorraine Newman, and Gilda Radner, who were the original Women on SNL's not ready for primetime players. Saturday Live. Yep. Spell out
1: your acronyms.
0: Yep. And so. They did this song on the special with the ladies singing most of the song in the background, and Bob and Ray are sitting in chairs with suits and ties on doing... A three-piece three you... suit, <laughs> just like Kojak used to wear. Yeah, They were doing the chorus, Do You Think I'm Sexy? If you my vibe. so i'll put a link to a video of that in the show notes.
1: i actually and, watched that today. It was hilarious. Yeah. And i think and, Paul Schaefer was the band director. Yeah. If if i look to the left of the screen.
0: So yeah. it was the
1: Saturday night live band that was doing that. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was essentially a Saturday night live special with Bob and Ray. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So Rod's still with this us. This is the should... sec- this
1: is the second time we've talked about old time radio.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and Chris Elliott late his night his with David Letterman. Is Bob. Yeah. yeah, and they always used to joke like Letterman would say, Oh, he's you know, the son of one half of the comedy duo and then he'd ask him, which one is it? And he's like, Nah, nobody knows, I don't even know. Well, you know what? Chris Elliott, his <laughs> uh
1: his best thing was he wanted to become a cabin man
0: yeah
1: i never saw that movie but that was the best line in the commercial ah, yeah. cabin boy i'm gonna be a cabin man <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> pretty, pretty awful movie i think
1: <laughs> i never saw it but we had a, a friend of mine who was a lot boy at the local ford dealership and he said to, we always said to him well maybe sometime mark you'll turn into a cabin man
0: yeah <laughs> what the big arena i'm they played a few home games there, the and Celtics. I, I was the ball boy, and I aspired to be a ball man. <laughs> yeah.
1: You were the ball boy?
0: Yeah, your yeah. I, you never told me that. Oh, I never
1: told you that? Oh, I have to no, you. I, I knew your father was on the cover of Sports Illustrated.
0: Yeah, I'll have to show you the picture maybe next episode of me uh, and Bob Cousy. Uh, he oh, wasn't wow. playing then, but uh, I'm standing next to him. Yeah. <laughs> Are you taller than him, or is he taller than you? Uh, he's taller than me at that point. I was okay. like, I don't know, you, eleven years because old. You were still something. a boy. Yeah. Because now you,
1: yeah, probably taller wow. than him. You never told me that. Oh. Uh, because wow. you're six two, right? You're about yeah, My height. I'm six
2: three yeah.
0: actually.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, you're taller than me.
2: All right.
1: But I. All right, well, that wraps yeah. up
2: this countdown,
1: and <laughs> hey, we'll talk about our heights. All right. <laughs> but. Uh,
0: what do we do now? All right. We do our ratings and things. And as discussed in the beginning, the first one we do is that one that we think will torture the poor other knucklehead. And um, we call that one. Your agonizer, please. No, Mr. Spock. Time. You found time enough to love Number 11. And I found love enough to yeah. Yeah i mean it's funny in this countdown this is like one of the few snoozers (laughs) Yeah. yeah did i agonize you yeah
1: all right agonize me please all
0: right i i think this would probably agonize you i i picked number 38
1: yeah that's that's a good <laughs> agonizer this is a this is a tough category
2: it, it was countdown.
0: it was tough in this countdown um I I did have a runner-up um but I, I think I'll I'll save, save that for later yeah. don't don't let the cat out of the bag yeah. all right so
1: what is your best song in the countdown
0: yeah um I imagine you, you might have guessed this for me, but uh, yeah, I, I took number eight. Well, you know what? Cue up the music.
1: Because this song was the big song at Cheryl's and my wedding yeah this was the big song and we had the band stepping out and they played this song and we had everyone on the floor and so let's see we got married almost 29 years ago so 29 minus 44 so this song was what 15 years old by that time Mm -hmm. and um we love this song so yeah
0: I, I don't maybe, know how. Maybe, maybe we should have gotten married.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. But uh,
0: I like you and all, but uh, yeah, I should look back and see how many Earth, Wind, and Fire songs I've picked as my best song of the countdown. You know, these guys were great, and this. You know, there's a lot of good songs in this countdown. I mean... No kidding. Yeah, I mean, to say that this is the best song in this countdown is saying something. It's pretty amazing. So, yeah, great. Yeah. All right. Great song.
1: Love the song. Love... It was a great... Now, I, I'm sorry, Mark. You didn't invite me to my wedding, or... you? Oh, I know, I said... You weren't invited to mine and I wasn't invited to yours
0: but you know yeah it's... <laughs> <laughs> why why the small one it was it was immediate family only so yeah. and yeah. um you know we we've been friends for 30 years but we Plus. Yep. yeah but we yeah. you know yeah did our things but did our own things so yeah nah, I'm not offended <laughs> All right
1: so this was hard and I'm going to cue it up now and, and here's the,
0: worst, the worst, song? worst
1: song of the countdown. And this is hard.
0: I don't even know which one this is.
1: This is number 25, for those of you keeping
0: track at home. Ah, uh, okay. The one I said I couldn't remember, and I still don't. Until it gets to the... the this course. is Nigel Olson.
1: Yeah. This is Dancing Shoes
2: yeah yeah I,
0: yes cert, but, certain. you know this is hard this is hard uh yeah and um I I picked uh, something different you know I don't know should I put up my white flag will the army be coming for me because I picked number 13 Really <laughs> yeah.
1: I... Oh goodness. You know, the uh, army's gonna find you and they're gonna mortar your apartment.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well I don't know. I imagine some in the army didn't like this when it came out either. <laughs> I maybe I'm biased, but I, I don't know. I you know, I remember the song, but as I listened to like the whole thing I was kinda like ah. <laughs> Here especially, I am, yeah, especially the Sprechtame. It's not even
2: good. Sprechtame,
1: I like this song back, you know, all those years ago,
0: yeah,
1: it, ah, not because I was not in the Kiss Army at all, and yeah, I thought this was a catchy song. And uh,
2: yeah,
0: I, a lot of New Yorkers into, like it, and yeah,
1: yeah. And especially not, written by a guy from England, you know, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, I can understand you uh, with your, your biases against the Kiss Army, but this is going to surprise you. Okay. My guilty pleasure. All right. Number 10.
2: Hmm.
0: I really, really like this song it actually does the only thing that surprises me about it is that it's a it's a guilty pleasure as opposed to just a a pleasure because i like this song too it's um is this your is this your guilty pleasure it is not um okay but but this song brings me right back to that time when i hear you know and And, uh, and the
1: thing the problem i have is it's written by neil young
0: yeah (laughs) so which i didn't even know oh i knew it was because i heard it before on, uh, deep, tracks. on yeah. deep tracks yeah right. i probably would have heard it on deep tracks and like i didn't know neil young covered yeah. yeah,
1: i think this song is uh, it, you know even though it's a single saxophone and rich our buddy rich doesn't like single saxophones um yeah
0: I've never heard uh, of that. Heard... someone not liking a single a saxophone. single
1: saxophone. Yeah. Maybe Boy, he must maybe die. When we see him this weekend. We'll have to beat him up.
0: Yeah. Okay, he must <laughs> die during Baker Street.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: we love Rich.
0: So, uh, what is your guilty pleasure? I went with, and this was hard. There were a lot of them in here, but uh, I went with number twenty-four. Do you have a groove thing? Yep, and I'm shaking. Well, it right you better now. be shaking. It. <laughs> Gosh darn it! This is Jesus great. Herb. This is great. I just yep. came on and it's like just a huge smile came across my face. And uh, yeah. well, wow. you know, what and, a great I, countdown. And, and yeah, I'll say it here too. Like we. Early, early on, we talked about burning our Disco Sucks card. And as I went through this countdown, there's a lot of really good disco songs in this. And I, you know, in retrospect, it's like, you know, was the big thing, the Bee Gees dominating the charts that really, you know. Probably. I mean, yeah, you know, this stuff was pushing the rock stuff off the charts and et cetera. And and I get it, you know. But, man, looking back, this <laughs> were some good, good songs. Absolutely.
1: Well, I think if we don't converge on the story song of the week, we should both be lobotomized.
2: Uh-oh. Come <laughs> and listen to a story about a man named Shed. A poor mountaineer barely kept his family head. Warm summer's evening on a train yeah. about I'm
0: gonna hold on to my frontal lobe
2: so we took turns this <laughs> is
0: not your story song of the week no I said I'm gonna hold on to my frontal lobe it's not gonna be lobotomized because yes this is oh. my story song of the week. <laughs> <laughs> well
1: cue up the, cue up the uh prices Right please.
0: yeah yeah great song paints paints a really good picture this song you you can close your eyes and picture yourself being on a train you know talking to a gambler yeah so i handed him my well and he
1: drank down i know all these words yeah and um of course john schneider was in the movie the, the gambler with uh line. you know from the dukes of hazard yeah and uh kenny He's... rogers
0: he made a career out of this god bless him yeah john schneider wasn't away from dukes of hazard at that point with the uh, <laughs> coy and vance, no, taking coy and vance. <laughs> yeah all right so now it got really 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 hard interested to see what you came up with for diversion songs all right well my most diversion
1: songs are number 28. can't move my writing oh home and dry all right okay so i got I'm, i'm home and dry which is nice yeah and uh If I'm home and dry, I don't want to be taken to the river.
2: <laughs>
0: okay. Interesting. This was wickedly hard. It, it was. It was hard, but it's. I came up with something that's kind of a cliche. So leave. Leave this one right here. This number twenty-six. Take me to the river because that's one half of my okay. divergent songs. And. Uh, yeah, take me to the river. And uh, what's the next line? Drop me in the water or dunk me in the water? Well, we'll hear it right now. Drop me in the water. Yeah, drop me in the water. So that's that. And then that's divergent from number five. I'm riding in your car. Riding my Fire. car? No, fire. Yep, fire and water. Okay,
1: okay. <laughs> you know, I, ha- I kind of had that on my radar, too.
0: Yeah, but it, this was hard until I sort of came up with that and I'm like, oh, that's so cliche, but I couldn't come up with anything else. <laughs> All right. So, Mark, I want you to
1: rate this countdown.
0: Yeah, um, so my individual ratings, 24 good songs, 11 neutral, Five bad, and zero sap. Solid A. Solid A for this countdown. Well, you know what? We agree. Yeah. This is a solid A. Can I give an A plus? I I teetered on that, but for the five bad songs is quite a few for me, so I couldn't quite go there, but... And because
2: I, I'll,
1: I'll, I'll give it an A. I wrote down, as those of you watching on Channel Eighteen, right there. This is this is it, man. This is. I think we're at the right age. Yeah, children anymore.
0: We had controls over the radio, and
2: yeah, that was it. it.
0: You know what's funny about this is like, I think an example of why it's so good is, you know, we're, we're listening to Leaf Garrett and saying, "This song's catchy." You know, it's like, yeah.
1: All right. So, I'm gonna find something to get us out with. That's not this.
0: All right. Yeah, kind of a, you know, in in this countdown with a bunch of good disco songs. I also thought this was really good.
1: All right. So as we wrap it up, what would
0: Casey say? Yeah, so Casey might say something like, keep wearing those dancing shoes and keep shaking that groove thing. And everybody... Keep your podcast machine right where it's tuned. You can find us
1: on the Twitter machine at Seventies Weekly or at Seven Zero Weekly. And I think Mark and I might have a uh, concert review next week, mm-hmm. um, which is pseudo Seventies sort of. And uh, the weather's going to be good, so we'll have clear traveling. And uh, this is. This is one of the best countdowns we've had, Mark.
0: Yeah, agreed. All righty, sir. You love those bongos, don't you? Yeah, that's why I picked it. This is a good song.